Welcome to PR360, where every week the brightest minds in public relations, communications, and media discuss the topics and trends you need to know about. PR360 was produced in partnership with Global Results Communications. Now here's your host, Casey Bush. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the PR360 podcast. I'm your guest host, Casey Bush, a vice president at GRC. I'm standing in for our regular host, Todd Perry. We're switching things up a little this week, and I'm asking Todd questions about podcasting. What makes some podcasts better than others? What goes into creating them? And how PR professionals can use them to help engage with their industries, their constituents, their customers, so on and so forth. Um, podcasts are coming up more and more um, with our clients at GRC and in the world of PR, and we wanted to pick Todd's brain to kind of find out some t- tips and tricks and um, what could help for our listeners when they start to think about podcasting. So, um, Todd, how does it feel to be on the other side? Welcome to the show. It is a little bit. It is a little bit unnerving. Like at first, I was just listening. It's like, oh no, I got this weird shock that I had been fired. But no, it. Um, yeah, it's a little different being on this side. So I feel, uh, you know, when you're when you're hosting a, the podcast, you get to kind of direct the flow of traffic, and then. I guess when you're being a guest like this, you're more just reacting, you know. So you're kind of on your toes a bit more because you're not quite sure where things are going to go. So I, I think it's I think it's fun. Well, interesting. We want to dig into that a little bit later because I think um, you know there's two sides of podcasting, and you kind of touched on on them just now. But there's what goes into preparing for a podcast, and then what it means to actually be on the other side and make sure that they are running smoothly and so on and so forth. But before we get into to that side of thing um, things, do you want to talk a little bit about your background? I think our listeners would want or would be interested in how you even got into things. I mean, knowing that it's fairly new industry, but growing very rapidly. But how, how did you end up here? Oh, uh, I started my first job out of college was for a radio station in Los Angeles called 97.1 KLSX, which was a talk radio station. And I didn't really have a big plan getting out of college, but I was like, it seems like they're having fun over there. I'd like to work. I'd like to get a job over there. So I ended up getting an internship and then getting hired and I was the kind of an office assistant to the director of programming. So I had a really up close view of what it was like, you know, to produce shows every day in radio. And they had, you know, in the morning you heard Howard Stern do his show and then Frosty, Heidi and Frank were real popular uh, trio did the midday show. And, you know, there was just shows going on all day. So I really got an idea of how people produce the shows, what goes into making an episode, how much preparation the people do. So I became interested in it, wound up getting my own show in San Diego on 103.7, which was kind of a, I guess, a sister station of the LA station. And after that station went under, I got another job, but then wanted to keep working with my co-host. And it just so happened that was right as podcasting started to kind of become more popular because... The radio station I was working for went under, and then all the hosts went over to doing podcasts. And so, uh, pretty quickly learned, you know, jumped right in the game, and we had a little bit of credibility because we came from a radio background. So people got into our show, which was really cool. 
So to, um, to talk a little bit about the differences from ra- the radio side of things to podcasting, because, you know, I think a lot of people probably think about talk radio as being like the early versions of podcasting. But, you know, what are some of the major differences when you're thinking about what the output looks like from a podcast versus just a, a radio show? I think uh, it's a great question. I think a big difference is when you are doing a radio show, the average person is only popping in and listening for maybe like 15 minutes, and then they arrive at their destination, they turn off their car, and then they kind of don't think about it. They don't listen to the rest of the show. So lots of radio personalities will repeat themselves just because not everybody's hearing everything. I remember we used to have a guy named Tom Likas who did the afternoon drive show, and he pretty much did the same show every day. (laughs) And people People would listen to him for four months and then tune out because they'd get sick of it. But you could do that in radio because, again, people aren't listening to the whole thing. Podcast, it's interesting. The experience I've had is that, especially Apple gives this really nice um, analytics, has this nice analytics feature where they'll show you what percentage of people listen to the whole show. And with, with things I've done, luckily I've had audiences that go all the way, you know, 80, 80% of the audience is listening to the entire show. So... Every you know you can't really repeat yourselves. Uh, once you've done something, you put it on the shelf and that's done because it's also permanent. You know people can go back and listen to it in the past versus something that's broadcast, which just goes out into the ether. So uh, there's kind of a different mentality when it comes to podcasting. And and I think in the early days, lots of radio people carried over the broadcast thing that they could keep redoing it and found that um, it doesn't really track well in in, in the new medium. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. It's something I hadn't thought of, um, you know, especially if you're a PR person, either participating in a podcast, or maybe you have a client or you're helping prepare someone to participate in a, a podcast, is you wouldn't encourage them to say the same thing over and over again, because it might sound weird in its entirety in a podcast. Whereas in the past, in some instances, you kind of encourage that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that repetition could be done in different ways in a, in a podcast environment. Um, okay, so going back to your kind of your pathway. So um, from radio, you transitioned into podcasts. Um, talk a little bit about that. Like, how did you like what were the early days of podcasts like for you? Well, it was about 2008 when we started doing a show called Low Budget FM. And the cool thing was because it was so early in the game that we were able to be, we were like the number seven, at one point at our peak, we were like the number seven most popular comedy show on iTunes. Now, if I were to do that now, I'd have three houses in Malibu, right? Because you'd have to be so popular and have such a huge audience to get to number seven on the comedy charts. You know, you're up there with Adam Carolla and Joe Rogan and all these guys. So back then, you could, not being somebody who was already famous going into it, already had a name, you can kind of make a name for yourself because it just wasn't so saturated. So that was kind of cool. But the basic philosophy when we did our show was, how do we take... Uh, radio, kind of radio talk show, kind of fun radio talk show topics, reposition it for podcasting. But then also, I think there was an idea in the back of our brains is, as we're new to this medium, we can screw around and and, and try to be the first to do a whole bunch of different things. So it it was kind of like trying to think like, 
in the early days of rock and roll, you know, you'd have like the Beatles be like, okay, we're going to act like we're another band and do an album like that. We're going to try to break these different barriers. So I think our audience liked the show because we're constantly pushing and doing different things uh, that, that people hadn't heard before, I think. And yeah, okay. so I think that was a neat thing because you had, it was a, the knowledge that this is a totally new medium. So that's why I think our first first show I did was pretty successful. And how many years or months did that, was that a long-term gig for you? Did you go on to do other types of podcasts? Yeah, I went on and uh, I did that show for me about two years. And then I broke out from working with my partner and did my, my own show. It was a show called Far Out, which was similar. And then I went on to work with a guy named Brian Whitman, who did morning radio in LA for many years. Uh, and we, we did a podcast together when he was in between radio gigs. And then I went into doing more serious stuff where I did a show on Taoism, which is like Eastern philosophy called What's This Tao All About? And that ended up becoming um, much more successful than I thought it would be. And we ended up getting like 5,000 subscribers. And I was pretty shocked because I thought it was kind of an esoteric topic. But I tried to take what I had learned from doing kind of fun comedy stuff and blend it with kind of the serious stuff. And it was me and uh, a guy named Dr. Carl Totten talking about Taoism. So it was like, okay, how do we make this fun and make it so the average person understands it? So I, I thought to myself, what if you took the idea, there was a show Love Line that was on many years on K-Rock yes. here in L.A. Uh-huh. And it was Dr. Drew Pinsky, and then there were many different co-hosts, Ricky Rackman, Adam Carolla, all these different people. And so yeah. I thought it was funny when you take the guy who's kind of the, the straight-talking guy, and then you have like the doctor with him. So I took that those ideas, I merged them, and the show ended up becoming, uh, doing really well, getting like 800,000 downloads and everything. So that was really exciting to see that come together and that people responded. Yeah, it's it's interesting because if you think about the realm of podcasts, right, some of them are centered around like a different, you know, host or con- contribution group, right? So in, in your case, you know, a doctor with the funny guy. Um, but then in your Taoism version, there's like also like a very specific audience, right? And so you're kind of changing the game quite a bit from like the general format, but then also who the, who you're speaking to and podcasts seem to have their own nature about them. That is very flexible in that sense that they can, you can mold them into many different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's a big blank slate, you know, and it's just fun going, what's, what's not out there. What isn't anybody doing? Like, where's the hole in the marketplace? Yeah. And so, it, yeah. So what, like when you think about and so you know with that in mind like when you and sorry to cut you off but like when you think about like where you started and where podcasts were when you first entered the space and where they are now like what are some of the trends that you've seen shift or changes or you know maybe they haven't i think definitely it's back kind of when i started it was more of a, a side thing it wasn't wasn't really, you know, towards the center of media. And so people, almost people in radio kind of disparaged it. And there was an idea that most like big name celebrities and stuff weren't into it or wouldn't show up on a podcast or, um, or do their own podcasts. And now it's just kind of wildly accepted as a part of the regular media landscape, which I'm, which is sad because those of us who aren't, you know, household names have a harder time getting noticed 
in that area and somebody else who is who is, who is a household and could just easily jump up and get uh, ten, tons and tons of subscribers but obviously then they have to keep them right they have to be engaging and make great content so I think that's the big difference but also in another way very positive change is it's gotten a lot easier for people to do advertising on podcasts so there's companies now where you just upload your show, pick the slots, and they'll throw in the advertising and the type of advertising that you approve of for your audience. So it's becoming a lot easier for people to make money off this, uh, off of podcasts and through things like Patreon, where you can make kind of special clubs for your listeners, you know, that, that, that they pay for and give people the extra content that way. So it's becoming a lot easier, I think, for people to monetize it because back in the day when we first started, it was like, I don't know, what do we do? We just run out and grab a sponsor or something? You know, it wasn't even something that you could do, and now people can make a living off it. So I think that's a definite positive. And and again, more and more people are coming into the fold of listening to podcasts. So uh, I think that's great, too. Yeah, so you, um, you kind of touched on this just talking about the advertising side of podcasts, but... And you mentioned earlier um, the ability to see analytics or the data about who's listening, how long they're listening. What are some of the metrics that you as a, a podcast producer are most interested in or what do you pay attention to the most? Uh, let's see. You know, I really like the time spent listening metric because that shows me I'm doing a good job that, you know, sometimes... You know your show may you know your download numbers have a lot to do with if you have guests who the guest is how it was promoted and that's one kind of the, the marketing side of it right that's one part of the job but the other part is am I doing a good job as a host am I making something that's compelling to people and so when you can see those numbers like what percentage of people are listening to the whole show I think that gives you a really good idea of how well you're doing and then also you know at what time people dropped off. You know, you could say, oh, you know what, we switched the topic here from this and we did this bit and then people stopped listening, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, that, that shows me that that's where the show, people lost interest and, and bailed out. So, again, that's a, that's a great metric. Obviously, the numbers of, you know, how many people are listening and how many, you know, what your, what your, what your download numbers are looking by are, are very important. Uh, but a lot of people confuse downloads with listens. And there's a lot of like, if I have... Right. Yeah, that makes I, sense. Yeah, now that you say that, it makes total sense. Yeah, I subscribe to a whole bunch of shows. So, you know, my phone downloads, you know, maybe 30 podcasts a week, but I probably listen to six or seven. So everybody got credit for that download, but people didn't necessarily listen to the show. So I think that's, that's one way that um, people kind of fudge numbers by saying downloads versus who's listening. So, and then the, and then the people who buy advertising go, gee, why didn't anybody buy our product? You know? Right. Do, this may be a very obvious question, but does it matter which platform you, your podcast is on and what data you collect from it? You know, uh, Spotify versus Apple podcasts, you know, so on and so forth. Each one has slightly different kind of metrics and some I mean some plat platforms don't even really give you any uh, or, or, or not much to really go on maybe you know like Spotify will tell you like the number of plays I think they don't they don't go that far 
into stuff, but Apple gives you really robust numbers. So the key is at a certain point, you have to figure out like which percentage of my audience is coming through Apple, which is Spotify. And so that gets a little weird um, to figure out the exact numbers on stuff. But, you know, if you're doing something that's really popular and it engages with people, then people who are advertising are going to get a reaction from it in the end, you know, at the end of the day. Okay. So is a general best practice to put your podcast on all the platforms mm-hmm. or yeah. is there any reason where you would ever just say, I mean, besides if you were offered an exclusive deal from Spotify and you're getting a huge paycheck, I get that that happens, but for most folks starting podcasts, you're, is it advantageous to be on all pa- platforms in the beginning? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'd say put it as many places as possible. And it's interesting because, you know, listeners can be very idiosyncratic. Like, I do one show that's on Patreon with a gal named Allison Rosen, and somebody, there's one listener that wants to download the MP3 and then puts it on her old, like, iPod that, you know, they don't make, they haven't made iPods in 10 years, right? (laughs) But she does and she uploads it to her iPod. So that's how, you know, so it's like, and we want to make sure she listens. So how do we set, make, make a situation where it's easy for her? So just trying to make it easy for everybody to get into what you're doing, you know? Okay. Um, One other question that just comes up, at least for, for me on the public relations side of things is, and I, I don't mean this in a negative way. I think podcasts are really great, but a lot of people think that they should have a podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. And we get asked quite a bit, you know, should we have our own podcast? Um, You know, what, how, how can we monetize it? Those sorts of things. But from a, and we kind of talked through some of the advertising elements already. So what I'm more looking for your perspective on is what, from a content standpoint, makes a podcast successful? Because a lot of times we're working with companies who, um, you know, may or may not have a uh, robust ecosystem of partners and and co-speakers to contribute to the conversation. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to understand is, you know, what, what are the, what, when you're looking at what a content schedule or calendar would look like for a podcast, where do you start and how do you know if you have the material that's needed to make it successful. Yeah, you know, I think that's really just kind of based on the topic you're doing, uh, you know, with the overall thing. Like in PR here, obviously, we get set up with a great content calendar where we're doing mostly interviews with people. Uh, well, that's pretty much all we do. And I think it suits what we're doing here pretty well because. I see this podcast as an interesting thing in it because it goes two ways. Traditionally, when I'm doing a show, it's, hey, it's Todd, I'm talking about this, and this is me and my friend, and we go back and forth, and we're making jokes, and we've got bits, and we've got this thing, and people come to hear us. But on this show, it kind of goes the other way, where it gives people who are guests on this show an opportunity to promote themselves via this having been recorded. So. Yep. And that is a that is something different that I've done previously, and I'm I'm sure there are other people out there with a similar thing. But I I I think okay, I'm not I'm not just talking to who are our listeners that normally listen to PR 360. It's all about who's this person that I'm talking to, and they're going to take this shingle that is the show we made, and they're going to hang it outside their door, right? They're gonna they're gonna promote it and say, hey, here's what I'm talking about, and it's a great vehicle for them, and they get to do it 
uh, on a, I think, a professional sounding show uh, with, you know, hopefully with, with great questions and answers. Uh, and I think the good shows that we do on PR360 are the ones where we get really good, specific, granular information from the people we're interviewing. Um, like there was uh, the, the gentleman from SoCal um, uh, Barbecue, is a barbecue uh, yeah, yeah. the other day. And we did that interview. And so he was such a great interview because he was like, here's what you need to do. You need to, you know, uh, don't be the commercial, be the show. And he had all these different sayings that all made sense when it came to branding. Uh, we had a gal that was talking about how to make a monster brand of yourself. And she was giving very specific things about you know what people do wrong on social media how to position yourself uh, specifically how to have position yourself against others and i learned a whole bunch i know that if i come back and i learn something from the show then we we did a good job that day you know and that's what i try to drill down to when i'm doing the interviews is trying to get the specifics from people uh, i'm excited i guess it'll have already aired i did one with my mentor rich kagan is kind of a king of direct response radio advertising, and he's all about specifics and authenticity. That's what you got to get to. So if we're doing that, then we're doing a good job. And if we get set up with people to interview that have that kind of information and get the importance of that, then we're making a good show. Yeah, I think I would add, too, that, and I would imagine that you can attest to this, when when both parties are having fun and enjoying themselves, it's a lot easier, right? They're like, in some respects, podcasts can be a little bit more casual. The prep isn't as extensive as it is for some other types of more formal interviews. Um, and it's more of a conversation, which I think I think that helps in, in what the output is. I, I think you're 100% right. And I've in starting this show, you know, we normally we're, we're doing a lot of business talk. We're doing a lot of professional talk, a bit, a bit of shop talk. And I started realizing that when people will come into the interview, they treat it pretty much like a kind of a formal interview. And I'm presenting myself as a professional and, and all these things. And I think, well, that can get a little boring and kind of uptight and stayed. So I, I thought, what if, what if I start... Um, you know, kind of making some jokes or saying 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 things that are a little a little out there or whatever, and to let the person I'm interviewing know, look, this you can let your hair down. This could be fun. So that's something I've been trying to do of recent with, with the interviews to try to make them feel comfortable and like, okay, cool, I could be myself and talk about you know and bring out my unique personality and talk about my business or what I'm doing professionally. So I think that's been a, a challenge, and I think. I'm getting better at it, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, no, I've noticed a lot of, or not a lot, but I've noticed podcasts, more, different podcasts increasingly just starting the podcast without formally starting the podcast, if that makes sense. So when, you know, the the people get together in a room, the host and the the, the interviewee, I guess, or the, the guest, um, they start chit-chatting and then it just naturally rolls into the conversation rather than... Hi, I'm Casey. Meet Todd, or welcome, Todd. You know, like what the, yeah. that formal introduction. So, um, but that goes to your point of just trying to um, make sure that the guest is is comfortable, or whoever is is engaged in the podcast is comfortable. That brings me actually to another question. So, and I've been on podcasts in the past where I, I got into the um, into the waiting room, and before we were recording, the podcast host you know, gave me a laundry list of like do's and don'ts. Don't say, um, don't say, 
stutter, don't say probably all of the things that I've said a million times thus far in the conversation. But by setting the stage for that or saying it up front, I was extra nervous about it. And I felt like I was stumbling over my words. So what would you say for a public relations person who's either participating in a podcast, going into it, or prepping someone else to talk in a podcast to make sure that they're not getting tripped up on some of the details that don't matter? Or yeah. what would you, what tips would you give them to, to set them up for success? Uh, you know, that's a really, that's a really great question. And I don't have the perfect answer to it because I tend to fix things on the back end. If someone is umming too much, you can edit them out. And so I don't want the person coming in feeling nervous, like like you said. Like, There's nothing worse than having to sit there and go, I need to think about speaking and think about each and every individual word in already kind of a stressful situation. You're being recorded. So I think you set people up for success when you just allow them to be natural and make them comfortable. And I think that's the job of the host is to do that versus setting people up ahead of time. Uh, But I will say, if people are going to appear on podcasts a lot, then they definitely need to watch with the ums. Because some people, I will not name names, but recently I had an interview where there was a person, I realized a tick about two minutes into the interview that they said um after every uh, sentence. So it was like, I went to the store, um, and then I went to Target. um, And it was like, at a certain point, it was at such a rhythm that I could tell that just to the average listener, it's kind of hard to kind of hard to listen to. So, and that, that takes so much time because I, I still, um, you know, and I've recorded hours and hours and hours of myself. So it's a very tough thing to get over. And especially I think people, especially people from Southern California, they like, like to like, 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 and throw a million likes into a conversation. So, but I think that's the kind of thing where People out there that are looking to do shows or have just started shows, I think the important thing is just to keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and the repetition and listening to yourself and then slowly your voice will get better without you really thinking about it. Uh, You'll get better at unpacking topics and talking about things and hopefully better at not saying um. (laughs) Now you've given me a complex and I'm going to be completely worried about it for the rest of the conversation. But other... Other tips for prep? I'm trying to think of recent podcasts that I've set up for clients of GRC. And I feel like sometimes less prep helps, to be honest. And anything else that you can think of? I think on the interviewing side and kind of when you're directing traffic and everything with it, it's always best to have more questions and everything than you need. Um, and doing comedy stuff, you'd have to do a lot of prep because you'd say, okay, here's here's a topic we're going to do 15 minutes. I want to have five bullet points of what I want to talk about and have that. And the funny thing is most people don't realize that people do that. And then they go, wow, man, those guys are really good at just like, you know, having a lot of opinions and things to say. And it's like, shh, we actually prepped it way ahead of time. It's well, way more written than it seems. And... You know, it's like when people think a comedian goes out there that the comedian is making it up as he goes along. There are a lot of people that do podcasts. They already have all their points laid out that they want to say ahead of time. And then people are shocked at how good they are. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I I cheated. So (laughs) I think that works. But Okay. Yeah, I always tell 
I always tell clients or folks that I'm are, I'm prepping to to be interviewed to think about the basics. Be able to talk about what your company does. Be able to talk about your background. Be able to talk about what drew you to your career path because those personal elements I think are are very grounding for the beginning of many of these conversations and once you get through those the audience tends to understand you as a contributor a little bit mm-hmm. better and the rest of the conversation flows a little bit more naturally yeah definitely definitely anything else i'm trying to think of if i missed any of the specifics that i wanted to touch on one one thing that uh, i did want to ask about earlier but we got talking in a different direction but when you are thinking about putting together your own podcast, is there a consistency rule of thumb? What's the frequency or role of consistency in making a podcast successful? Does it need to be every week? Does it, does it just need to be regular? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, that's a great question. I think when it's something that you you want, like like PR 360, where we want people to come back every week and it'd be part of their routine, I think that's very important because sometimes you miss a week and then like half your audience forgets about your show. <laughs> like you do, sure. you do see a drop off. And so something like that, especially people who are doing kind of current event stuff, obviously comedy stuff, then you want to be regular. In other in other ways, uh, like when I did, what's this DAO all about? I didn't I didn't care about being regular because the whole point was I want to have this big, uh, big block of shows that people can go and listen to at any time and learn about this topic. So what I wasn't trying to maintain that audience week after week. It was just trying to get something to hang on the shelf, like a book of encyclopedias that people can go and listen to later. So and like right now I'm doing a documentary on the history of Marineland which was in Palos Verdes, which I'm almost done with. And that, again, haven't put it out regularly. It's just it's done when it's done. And the great thing about podcasting is once it's done, you put it on a shelf, and in 10 years, somebody will find it and listen to it. So it's not about what happened this week with it. Well, that's interesting. Tell, tell me a little bit about the um, Marine Land podcast. I'm a Southern California person, so that's interesting. Right. Okay, so... Um, in 1987, Marineland, which was in Rancho Palos Verdes, California, like right on the cliffs, in one of the most beautiful plots of land in all of California, and it, it had you know two killer whales, Orky and Corky, and it had dolphins, and it had a pilot whale, and walruses, and it was like it, just like SeaWorld or whatever, and uh, eventually. Uh, it was it was purchased by the parent company that owns SeaWorld, and in the middle of the night, they stole the whales, brought them to SeaWorld, and then closed the park down. So it was a whole controversy when it happened in 1987 about SeaWorld bought Marineland, stole the whales, and closed the park. So it almost has like a kind of true crime thing behind it about what happened the night that the whales got stolen. But then I, I also That's tell a whole history of the park. So uh, That's yeah. fascinating. I think it's a pretty comprehensive, it's actually probably too comprehensive for the average person because I really get in the weeds on stuff, but that's what it's there for. It's for people who really want to nerd out on something. So. Yeah, I'm totally going to listen to it. That's, I, I, just, I just find it so wild. I literally think we have made this concept of like taking all these animals, putting them into one spot, training them, doing all of this stuff, spending all this money, and then you just 
let them go or ship them elsewhere. Like, it, I don't know. Yeah. I have mixed feelings on all of it. Um, oh, same, same. Yeah. Oh, I do have one, one fun question. Outside of the podcast that you personally worked on, what are some of your favorites? What do you like to listen to in your free time? I think one that really grabbed me early on when I started getting into podcasting was a show called You Look Nice Today, which was these three guys. One guy, Merlin Mann, is kind of a well-known guy, and two comedians. It was just them being very dry and sitting around, and the the way it was cut together was really interesting because they just like pop right into a 10-minute conversation on a topic, have a little sound effect and going to the next one. It was really neat. It was really tightly put together production-wise. But then also the, the people were just really funny and talked about really out there stuff. That was an early comedy show I really liked. Um, gee, what do I know? There, there's a show called... It just ended recently, but uh, because the host died. <laughs> it was... Oh. Uh, yeah. It, it, we, we die, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> big death toll in podcasting. No, it was uh, Gilbert Gottfried had a show called Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. And it was him and this guy who was a writer for The View named Frank Santo Padre. And they basically talked to really old celebrities and who were kind of washed up or past their prime. And you realize that lots of these people have amazing stories to tell about their time in Hollywood or acting or, you know, making music. And Gilbert Gottfried was like a savant, really great actual kind of wealth of knowledge. And so it was surprisingly very good show that unfortunately uh, has gone away. But that's, that's one that I really, really loved. And then last one I'd say is a show called You Must Remember This by Karina Longworth. And it's like, old tales, again, kind of old tales of Hollywood, and she goes into kind of old scandals and mysteries, and uh, she's just a wonderful storyteller, so I try to rip her off as, as much as I can. Wow, old Hollywood, old advice, I love all of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'll give them a listen. Thank so, you. Thank you so much for all the advice, all the recommendations. Um, any other tips before we, we wrap? That's it. That's about it. Yeah, Covered that's, a lot. that's all I got. That's all I got. Okay. Well, we appreciate it, Todd. Thank you so much. Thank you, Casey. All right. I'll give the show back to you next week. Thank you. I want it back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's all yours. PR360 was produced by Todd Perry in partnership with Global Results Communications. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you get podcasts. Follow GRC on all socials at Global Results. Follow Todd on Twitter at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Talk to you next week.